Jesus was still walking on the earth. Well, you know what, folks? The truth is, the Holy Spirit's even closer than Jesus because Jesus couldn't live within you, but the Holy Spirit, Jesus can live within you now through the Holy Spirit. His thoughts, his ways, his attitudes, his agendas, his guidance, his wisdom, his encouragement, his strength, his empowering, all are available to us through the Holy Spirit. His presence. Now, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He doesn't promote himself. He always promotes the Father. He always promotes Jesus. But, but you know, he's, he's here for a purpose, and that is to dwell and live within you. You know what? I think we've got to acknowledge him more than we do. We've got to allow him into our lives because the Holy Spirit is God in spirit form in us. He's not a force. He's not a, a thing. He's a person, isn't he, of the Holy Spirit? And he wants to come and live within you. And the lovely thing is he says, you know what? God says, I didn't leave you as orphans. I always remember uh, as a 10-year-old, I had this crazy thought as a 10-year-old that I was an orphan. It, it, it didn't last a long time, I admit, but I had this thought. And, and you know when you can think all types of things and you can, you can make things up to justify your thinking? You ever done that? You make thought, you create stuff in your mind just to justify what you think has happened to you. And I always remember as a 10-year-old, and I thought, you know what? Because I never saw any baby pictures of me as a little baby. And I thought, you know what? I reckon I, I, I was an orphan and mum and dad have adopted me. <laughs> That's a thought. I saw, I saw pictures of myself as a little kind of toddler, but I never saw baby pictures. I thought, what's the problem? And then, and then, I, thought, then I thought, you know what? My mum and dad had three, three girls before me. They probably wanted a boy and thought, we're not going to get one, so we'll just adopt one. <laughs> I had a terrible thought. Now, it didn't last too long because the truth is, is that I'm not adopted. I am actually my parents' son. Isn't that good? It was good news. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, I never really asked my parents that question because I didn't want to kind of, you know, I didn't think it was appropriate. But I, I soon discovered that I really was never adopted, you know. I was my parents' son. But, you know, it, some of you relate to that. Some of you can relate to the fact that maybe you haven't known your parents and there is an element. Maybe some of you have been adopted. Maybe you were an orphan. Maybe you've gone through that. But I want to tell you today that God doesn't see you as, a, as a, a, an orphan or adopted or anything else. He says, you're my children. And I thank you through the Holy Spirit that he, are, he, in, he, he impresses that and allows that because he's here with us. So I want to just talk about this. You know, sometimes I'm just concerned that we can be a bit indifferent to the Holy Spirit. What's indifferent mean? It means we can just take him, take him or leave him. I want to tell you it's definitely a buy-in. We need to buy into it. We can stand at a distance and say, you know, well, God and Jesus and oh, Holy Spirit, you know, there's things I'm not quite sure about the Holy Spirit, but he wants to be a part of your life. Um, and, you know, we... Um, he wants us to walk as overcomers. He's empowering us to do that. He, you know, he's, he wants to give us his incredible peace, his wisdom, his guidance. All that the Holy Spirit has been received through the Heavenly Father, he wants to give to us to live life and live it well. And so sometimes we can look at the Holy Spirit and say, well, I'm not quite sure. Sometimes I see, you know, I think people get a little concerned because they think the whole Holy Spirit thing is a little bit spooky. Oh, just, oh, it's a bit spooky, you know. You Christians, you know, and there's some Christians who feel that. They think he's have a spooky flavor about the Holy Spirit. You know what? The Holy Spirit is so far from being spooky. He is totally real, totally sincere, totally loving. I mean, he's mysterious, but he's not eerie or spooky. He's, he's mysterious sometimes. You think, wow, 
How does the Holy Spirit work? He does things and, he, and, and amazing. He can, he can be involved in seeing people healed and, and people touched and people ministered to. And, and, and the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We can operate and you think, oh, people can have words of encouragement or visions or knowledge or about others. And the Holy Spirit allows us to do that. And well, wow, what's that? Well, that's, that can be mysterious. But folks, it's, it's everything. You know, God is not here uh, to, to bring you down. He's here to lift you up. And the Holy Spirit, ultimately, that's what always he wants to do bring life to you I'll tell you what's spooky is some of the things I see in the world <laughs> you see people dress up as zombies and march down the street now that's spooky folks <laughs> you think you know they think they think the Holy Spirit's weird no way what's spooky is you know people they get tea leaves, you know, that was spooky, and they get tea leaves and look in their cup and go, oh, you know, I'm going to tell the future through the tea. Now, that's spooky. <laughs> that's a counterfeit for what God can do. <laughs> you know, the truth is that you and I are body, mind, and there's a soul. Our body is the physical body. Your mind is your intellect and your thinking and everything about, and there's a soul, your emotions, your personality. It makes up your character. And there are three important things. God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, doesn't he? And then there's this other wonderful quality, your spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. And you know, the fact is, is sometimes we get our mind right. We, we think, if I just get my mind right, I'll think on good things. And the Bible says, think on things that are good and pure and right and just. Philippians 4.8. And then we get our body right. We do a little bit of exercise. We eat the lettuce instead of the ice cream. You know, boring. But anyway, in reality, we do the right thing by our bodies. And, you know, everything in moderation in the way of food, in that sense. But, it, you know, we, so we do the right thing, exercise, get the mind right. In my soul, well, you know, my emotions, I just need to, you know, care for my soul and do everything. But I want to tell you, sometimes the, the, those things are on this level. And sometimes we put our spirit or the Holy Spirit on the same level. He's not on the same level. He's above it all. Because if we allow the Holy Spirit more and more into our life, he affects every part of those, one of those other things. He affects our body. You know, and I'm not saying it's not your part. You do need to look after your body and eat healthy and a little bit of exercise. Of course you do. But he can affect our body. And he can bring peace in there so that we don't get stressed. And, and ulcers don't you know, uh, um, develop in our stomach and things like this. He can, he can touch our mind so we think on things that are, so that we've got right thinking. He can touch our soul. I mean, how can he? So many times he can minister to your emotions and the pain and the grief that you sometimes feel because of what's happened in this world. He wants to minister to those areas. And he's over and above. He's not on the same level. That's why God said... In Matthew, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and all your strength. And then he didn't say spirit. No, because the Holy Spirit is the one who can help you to do that. To bring incredible blessing upon our lives as we engage and invite the Holy Spirit into our life. Um, he's the spirit of truth. So the Holy Spirit's not a spooky, um, hasn't got a spooky, per he's not a spooking personality or a spooky agenda. He's so real. In actual fact, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Isn't that so, so good? He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. What to do? To do good. To do good. You know, you've walked, have you ever walked through the aisles of, the, of, of uh, Woolworths or wherever you may shop? And, you know, there's a person struggling to get that, get that 
item right at the top and something within your heart goes, just help that person. And there's another voice that says, oh, dude, that's a shameful. Dun, 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 dun. No, no, no. You know what? It's probably the Holy Spirit. Just go and help someone. You know, he wants to guide us and speak. He just wants to bless us. You know, it's the Holy Spirit. Um, he's, he wants to anoint us to do good, to touch life. Ultimately, to see people one into to Jesus Christ and to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But he went about doing good. And it's interesting because God anointed him. And, and just a second, it said it didn't, he doesn't say he didn't anoint the Son of God. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Interesting terminology. But he anointed because Jesus was totally man and totally God. And here we see the man part and God anointed the man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit. Why did he do that? Because the man, Jesus Christ, needed God's Holy Spirit. But wasn't he the son of God? Wasn't he the God himself? Of course he was. But if Jesus needed it, how much more do we need it? How much more do we need his touch? He's anointing the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the reality of that. And we see God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. You know, you could put your name in there. God anointed James Hewitt. Earthly and fleshly as I am, he wants to touch. He wants to take your life. He wants to add a, a wonderful dimension because we live in a spiritual vacuum, you know, in this world. You know, the, the people in this world are looking for something to fill their lives all the time. All the time, people are looking. They've got this within their hearts. They're saying, what can fulfill me? What can really fill me up? What can give me life? Some people go after, some people go after their body, you know, exercise, muscles, fitness. I mean, and that's wonderful, but, you know, they go to this extreme, and that's, that's, their, that's almost all that they worship. And then some people go after the mind. I want more intellect. I want more knowledge. I want more understanding. That's wonderful to have that. But that's all they get. They try to, why do they do that? They try to fill the void in their lives that only God can ultimately fill because it's God-shaped and not earthly or fleshly shaped. Godly, God wants to fill the void. It's, it's a spiritual vacuum we have in our society. You know, if, if people understood that, we wouldn't be going to a vote for same-sex marriage. If people understood that another, you know, another man will never fulfill me. God, praise God for that. <laughs> I was never made that way. It's going to be God first and then the wonderful union with another woman. Man, woman, you know, and, and, and some men and some women say, well, if only I can find the same sex person to connect with me, then I'll be fulfilled. And then that's not enough. If only I could find, you know what? If only they would acknowledge us as, as a married couple, then we'll be fulfilled. It won't fulfill them, folks. We'll vote if we get the, the yes vote goes through. It still won't fulfill them. Because there's only a God-shaped vacuum that will fill their lives. It's God that will fulfill their lives. Through the Holy Spirit. That's why people we see, they go for more. Oh, let's just not vote in same, you know, same-sex marriage. Let's just take it a bit further. Do you know in Germany they've voted legally? They've voted in bestiality because there's a woman who loves her dog, and we've just got to, you know, it's just, it's just a continue. Why do they do that? Because there's a vacuum of God in their lives. How far are they going to take it? Solomon Gomorrah was like that. Don't get surprised at what was happening today because it was happening back then too. Because 
There's only one person who can fulfill us the whole, and God's given us the Holy Spirit. So why can we be, not only do we think he's a little bit spooky sometimes, and he's not spooky, but why can we be a bit indifferent to the Holy Spirit? It's because, you know, he's got this wonderful thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Ah, oh, praise God. When I discovered that as a 19-year-old, I tell you, it was so far out, Lord. I've been looking for this. I've been wanting this. And it was something so special in my life. And for many of us, it is, of course. And the initial evidence of just speaking in the heavenly prayer language in tongues, as the Bible calls it, and just to be able to worship him in that new language is such a, man, I can have the presence of God. I can just worship him. You know, it's so good. You know, the, you know sometimes I just go through the week and you just feel a little bit of pressure build up. All the little things you've got to do and the people, this has got to do this and got to do that and this got to do. And, you know, and I just start to, a little song of tongues and, oh, Father, and you just start to worship. I mean, the pressure button is released. Like, Father, it's not that the problem goes away. It's just that you look at it differently. <laughs> the Holy Ghost. And the baptism, you know, it just says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, and being assembled together, with the, together, he commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem. Remember this story? But to wait for the promise of the Father. Which was the, what was the promise? It was the Holy Spirit. Which he said, you have heard from me. In verse 5, for John truly baptized with water. John the Baptist baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I love that. He's going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And of course, that happened, and the early church was birthed, and I mean, 3,000 people came to Christ, and they had this incredible, and the initial evidence was, might have been speaking in tongues, but they also had an incredible outpouring of love, and they embraced the poor, and they helped people, and they, I mean, they divided their, their goods, and there was an incredible working of God through the Holy Spirit, certainly, and it was amazing. You know, baptism, you know the word baptism comes from a Greek word to mean baptos, B-A. B-A-P-T-I-Z-O, baptos. I might get it totally correct, but you know what it literally means? It means this. It means to be totally immersed, dipped, totally flooded. Um, it means to be... Um, it, it also has an, another way of putting it that it's like, a, it's like you put something into a dye. You know, you ever put an item of clothing into a dye and you pull it out and it's completely changed in colour. You know, for those who are over 45, remember tie-dye? But it's actually coming back, I think. It's still in. It is. I'll find one and wear it next week. No. My sisters are into it. No, no, no it's fine. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. So I just had a moment of madness. I'm not going to wear tie-dye t-shirt. But the word baptos, you know, there's interesting, there's an example of it, the meaning of baptos is a text from a Greek poet and physician called uh, uh, Nicaena, an interesting name. Um, but he lived 200 years before Christ. And what he'd done was he, he produced an interesting little process for certain um, fruits. He would put them into vinegar. He would take them and he'd put the fruit like, like we do today with cucumbers and we put them into a certain solution of vinegar and maybe some other stuff. And you put them in as a little cucumber. This is what this gentleman did. He put fruit into a... And, and what happens is would, they would complete, he would say, they were, this is what he wrote. Let me tell you what he wrote. He says this. He says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped into boiling water and then baptized in the vinegar solution. Literally, his words, quote, baptized in the vinegar solution. Because the word baptized meant completely immersed. Completely immersed. And it's interesting because a cucumber, when it's placed in a solution, it becomes a 
pickle. Is that right? Who loves pickles? I'll put my hand down. <laughs> because a cucumber is pickled, it takes on the environment of the solution that it's immersed in. It takes on the environment. It takes on the qualities of that solution. A, a cucumber pickled is never a cucumber anymore. It is a different taste, hasn't it? It's a different texture even. It's consistency in somewhat. It's amazing, isn't it? It's completely immersed. It takes on the character and the attributes of that which it is immersed in. Interesting enough, that's what God asks us to be when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Immersed in the Holy Spirit. Taking on. Who doesn't want love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control, and all the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Who doesn't want that? No one here. I mean, that's what he wants us to have. And as we are baptized, we're, we're immersed. We're literally pickled in the presence of God. Because he changes the qualities, he changes your heart and your thinking and your attitudes and how you do life. I reckon that's a yes from me. I'll vote that in. Have we got three yeses? Me, you're going to the next round. Amen. Come on. Same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Immersed in him, take on the characters of the Holy Spirit, all that he has for us. The early church, they took on the characters. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Initial evidence was speaking in tongues. And as they did that, they embraced. There was this love poured out. The, the power of the Holy Spirit touched lives. 3,000 people were added one day to the, to the church. And then God continued to work and do amazing things. And it says in Scripture, in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4, it says daily people were being added to the body of Christ. Daily because they saw something powerful happening and that was God had touched his people through the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may say, hey, just wait a second. I see people who are baptized and speaking tongues and yet they don't reflect a lot of love or joy or peace. You know why? Because you need to be refilled again. The Word of God says, be being filled. Be being filled. In other words, we, 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 you know, we can leak, in a sense. We go into this world and we face the realities of life. And what, you know, we just need to come back and every day just say, Father, I just need your freshness again today. I just need the power and the presence of God today. I don't, I, I, you know, the world just wants to clutter our minds. And, and we're going to live in the world, be in the world, but not of the world, you know. And, and, and we need that, His Holy Spirit, to, so we can literally just be able to walk life. We're not going to do it perfect or perfect in every way, but we just have that strength and power of the Holy Spirit to do life. Because he, the truth is, is that we get things that just want to dust us up and, 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 and we just need His freshness again to fill us. And that's why I, I think we've got to... Re, hey, today, do you need to be reminded to be just refilled with His presence? Why do you think we come and worship? Because it's just the power of God. Can I encourage you? In opportunities of worship, whether it's in corporate church worship, whether it's in a prayer meeting, or whether it's in your life group, or whether it's just you waking up in the morning, why don't you just invite the Holy Spirit in? Because if you never invite, He'll never come. He's, a, he's, he's never going to force His way into your life. He's a gentleman. Some of us, I see, that stand in worship even in our church here, and I think, my goodness, is anything possible going to touch their lives today? Mm. You haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think you've been baptized in lemon juice. <laughs> now, you don't have to smile. I'm not saying that. But I just say, come on, church. Because I, I, I love you, I say, wake up. Let him come into your life. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life. It's a lot better than what you got. 
Even in, it's an opportunity in worship just to say, more of you, more of you, more of you. And yet we don't have to be like each other. I'm not saying that. You know, we don't have to be. We, we, we're individuals, but allow the Holy Spirit, His presence to come and fill us afresh and be filled. I love it. Sometimes maybe the reality is, is that we find we've maybe even asked for the baptism in the Holy Spirit and it hasn't quite happened as we wanted it to happen and, and maybe the initial evidence of speaking in tongues hasn't been there and I just want to encourage you this morning it's not here to condemn but here to encourage um, the gift of tongues uh, you know we need to concentrate on the giver more than the gift even sometimes we can get oh I just need his gifts I just want his gifts I just want his gift we get so concentrated on the gift when you just need to worship the giver just thank the giver you know, um, just thank him. And, and, and I always say to my children at Christmas time, well, they've grown up now, so I don't have to say this anymore, but you know, when, we, when, when you receive a gift, that's wonderful, but you go and thank the giver. You go and concentrate a moment on the giver and go and say thank you to grandma or auntie or uncle or whoever it is that gave you the gift. You go and just let them know because ultimately when the gift is, is gone, um, you know, you're gonna, you need that relationship with that person to be there all the time. And we need the relationship with the, with the Holy Spirit. We need to focus on him. And as you give focus and worship him, I tell you what happens is, is that the, uh, the gift comes along with it, doesn't it? It's like um, when I go and to my brother's place or I go to someone's place and I knock on the front door they open the door and they give me a big hug and welcome me in and they say just wait a second don't bring your bag inside don't bring the bag inside I say hey well I've got to take my bag it's got my clothes my toothbrush you know I need that he says no 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 I want you See, this is the other side of the coin, but I don't want the gift. But, you know, as much as we concentrate on the giver, we also need to be thankful for the gift. And, you know, and when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, what he does is he brings himself, but he'll automatically, as you focus on the giver, he'll automatically bring his bag. And the, that's the gifts. That's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Maybe today... You're a little bit, uh, take it or leave it because of the Holy Spirit because there's been wrong teaching. And the wrong teaching can be the Holy Spirit's not for today. Folks, I think we need the Holy Spirit more than we've ever needed the Holy Spirit. I'm just glad that if Jesus was the same yesterday, today and forever, that means that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. That means the Holy Spirit's the same yesterday, today and forever. His gifts are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, there's a time when we won't need the gifts. You know what? When you won't need the gifts is when this body is dead and you go to heaven. You won't need tongues. You won't need the gifts. The Bible talks about it in Corinthians very clearly because you'll have the Almighty right there. You'll be in His presence. Man, man that'll be brilliant, won't it? But so that's when the gifts will pass away. Not now. I need them right now. You need them right now. We need the Holy Spirit right now. Um, we need Him more than anything. Another thing sometimes I think that we could take it or leave it, the Holy Spirit, is sometimes we just we lack any passion. We lack a bit of desire. And, and, and I understand that there can be things that, you know, our desires and passions can ebb and flow and up and down. But can I encourage you? Come on. When was the last time you sensed the presence of God through the Holy Spirit on your life? Just filling you, refreshing you, encouraging Maybe it was this morning. Amen. You know, it doesn't take a lot of working up 
You don't have to, you're just going to receive. Don't get spiritual constipation, folks. Just receive. Just have a desire. You say, well, you know, I've got all my sin in my past. You know what? It's not that he, ne- he acknowledges that, he understands it, but just repent of that and, and, and move in and receive all that he's got for you. Repent, receive. Easy. Just receive. He's there. He's there. He wants us to receive. Can I read uh, John chapter 7, 37 to 39? Did I have it as a... Verse up there, Jeff. I think I might have put a bit there, but yeah, there we go. Let me read this. This is an incredible story, incredible situation unfolded in John chapter. Let's look at scripture. John chapter 7, 37 to 30. On the last day, the great day of the feast, what are they talking about? They're talking about the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. I won't go into all the detailed history of it, but I'll give you a little snapshot. On the last day, the great feast day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out in Jerusalem. He was, if anyone, what, thirst, let him come to me and, what? And he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But the, Jesus, now, Jesus stopped speaking in the commentary by John in verse 38. But, he spoke, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What's that meaning? It's meaning Jesus hadn't yet to be, gone to be with his Father. So when he went to be with his Father, the Holy Spirit came. You know, what goes up, something must come down. Isn't that true? So Jesus went up and the Holy Spirit come down. And that's what Jesus is speaking about. But he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That's talking about our desire. He who believes in me, as the scriptures say, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoa, that's pretty powerful. Rivers. Interesting thing. Feast of Tabernacles is unfolding. The Jewish people kept the custom of the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a wonderful festival. All week, it went for about seven days. And part of the Feast of Tabernacles was this. This joyous celebration was observed. Do you know why they had one of the one of the reasons they celebrated was because they wanted to thank God for the way He looked after them in the desert for forty years in the wilderness. All the Jewish nation, over a million people, God looked after them. He fed them, and then there was a special moment in their history when they're in the desert that they had no water to drink. And they complained to Moses. They grumbled to Moses. Moses went to God. God said, hit the rock. And the rock, Moses hit it, if you remember. And in Exodus 17, you can read the story. And out of the rock came water so that the children of Israel could drink. Now, there's some other things that unfolded because of that. But let's focus on this story. So we see that uh, the priest would bring this, what would happen in response and thankfulness to God for his provision in the desert. The priest would walk all the way down to the Pool of Shalom from the temple. If my calculations are about a kilometre and a half from the temple in Jerusalem to the Pool of Shalom. He'd put this gold, pure gold pitcher. That's it. It, was, it might have been just coated in gold, to be honest, but it had gold on it. He'd put it in the water, he'd take it, and he'd bring it on his shoulder, and he'd bring it all the way back to the temple to pour on the altar. And all the way back, what he would do was, along the line from the Pool of Shalom to the temple, people would be cheering and rejoicing and dancing and clapping and saying, thank you, God, thank you. And they would be reciting Isaiah 12.3. Therefore, with joy you shall draw waters from the well of salvation. Therefore, with joy you shall draw waters from the well of salvation. Therefore, they'd be chanting it and singing it. It was the top song of the day. Isaiah 12.3, therefore with joy we will draw waters from the well of salvation. 
Because that, that was their salvation in the desert. God looked, gave them water. So they do that and the priest had come back and then he'd pour the water on the altar. Now it says, as the, um, on the last day, Jesus picked a strategic moment. The celebrations have been building to this point. Everybody's excited on the last day. And, you know, there would have been feasting and drinking and eating and everything would have been happening. And everyone is excited as they've been celebrating for several days. And at that moment, Jesus strategically stands up and he says, If anyone thirsts, water's been poured out in the altar. Hey, if anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, can you see the power of it? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I know that you've got you know, God provided in the desert, the water. And I know that you celebrate what God did for you back then. But I want to tell you, today is a new day. I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. And if anyone thirsts, he's available for you. It's a new day. He says, no, I know you look to your ceremonies and I know you enjoy your celebrations, but I want to tell you there's something better than that here now. And you know what it is? It's me, but even better than that, when I'm gone, he'll come, the helper, and he'll pour into your life and you'll say, well, I'm thirsty. And anyone who's thirsty, come and drink. And the invitation would be for you today. Today. Come and drink. Come and drink if you're thirsty. And I think... But I believe and I know that we find sometimes that maybe we could take it or leave it because it's that we've just gone a little dry. The pressures and the circumstances of life just come and fatigue us. And I want to tell you, if that's the case, I understand, but pick yourself up and say, Father, I just want to drink again. My soul is thirsty. You know, I've discovered that um, you know, sometimes until you start, you never know how dry you are. <laughs> Until you say, just make a decision. You never know how thirsty you really are in life. You know, I can go you know, half the day and all of a sudden I go home and I look in the fridge and I think, oh man, and I see the water and I think, oh, I just need to drink some water. I haven't drank all day. And we do that and we find that, uh, it's, of course, we drink and we feel refreshed. You know, Jesus said in John, I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. A helper. He wants to abide with you forever. Isn't that wonderful? The word another means one of the same kind as Jesus. Jesus was saying, just like me, the Holy Spirit will do in my absence what I would have done if I was presently physically with you, Jesus said. And you know, we see the wonderful thing. You know, the Holy Spirit is not a substitute for God. He ultimately is God. He's not a substitute. He ultimately is that God in us through the Holy Spirit. Can we, uh, musicians, just come this morning? In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it just says, You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You can be a temple. I wonder if today, as we just uh, come to the close of this meeting this morning, if we just take a moment and just for a second, just ask God's refreshing power just to fall and fill us again. Is that cool? This morning, his presence, maybe you're a bit dry. Maybe you just need that touch. Maybe the truth is, is that you just would seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Ah, water is so nice. So is the Holy Spirit. So good. Could we stand this morning?
We're going to just sing a song in a moment. But this morning, just for a time, he says, come and let me drink. If there's a refreshing that's needed today, if there's just a refreshing, if there's just a saying, Father, here I am, just maybe to, as I said today, you just need his presence, his baptism in your life, or maybe infilling. I'd invite you just this morning as we just worship, just to come and stand at the front, just to worship him and say, yeah. I want to step out in faith and ask for just more. I want to step out because sometimes it just takes an action uh, to see fulfilling. And you say, oh, all this week, all this week I've been stepping out and being prayed for at the altar as we've had our meetings. Well, you know what? Today's another day. <laughs> How about again? Again, and say more. More of your presence, Holy Spirit. More of you. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to tell me. I'd love to just pray with you. I'd love to see that Holy Spirit fill you. Come on. I have confidence that he's here this morning. He's here today. And said, come on. Are you thirsty and dry? Come to the, the one that fulfills the, the well of life, the water of life. Come on. Let's just worship. If you decide, just want to come and say, fill me, Father. More and more of you, you're welcome this morning just to come. Let there be a, pa- a, a hunger and your thirst in your soul. More of Him. This, come on. Let's be ardent. Yes, Lord. Spirit come, Spirit come.